You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. I love that song. I love when it says, and now I know the cross means everything. Wow, that's just so wonderful. Thank you, Miss Stephanie, for singing that song and uh, enjoyed that immensely. Well, we finished last week a series out of the book of Philippians. And so you're probably thinking, Pastor, where are you going this week? Where is it going to be? Take your Bible to the book of Philippians, if you would, please. And uh, we're going to go back through verse, but kind of a little bit slower this time as we go back through. No, I'm just kidding. But Philippians 1 is where we're going to be. And uh, I want to do, I want to sing one more song before we get into the message today. And that song is Happy Birthday. It is Mrs. Weldon's birthday today. 29, Mrs. Weldon? Again, 29 again. And uh, she happens to share, Brother Weldon? Where's Miss Miss Evelyn, it's your birthday? Isn't it somebody else's birthday? Oh, that's right, my son. That's right, Titus. We have an official teenager in our house now. Do you hear that reaction? You guys did not encourage me at all with, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, that's it, Pastor, it's over for you. Hey, that's the first of four, so I don't know, even know what to think about that. But I'm, in, I'm excited. You pray for us. We don't know how to parent teenagers. We just know how to teach them for like 16 years and send them back to their parents, right? But, uh, but let's see. So we've got three birthdays, but uh, always try to recognize our staff birthdays for sure. So let's... Let's sing a happy birthday, and instead of saying, happy birthday, Mrs. Weldon, Evelyn, Titus, we'll just say, God bless you, okay? Happy birthday, God bless you. You ready for this? You guys need to do a little vocal exercise? I heard if you hee-haw like a donkey, it really gets your vocal cords warmed up. Who wants to give us the example? Who wants to? Brother Jerry, I see you back there. You want to give us the No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. There we go. No one harmonized. I didn't hear the harmony, but it's okay. All right. But I do hope you three have a, have a wonderful birthday. <clears throat> and uh, so I wanted to do that for you there. You've been blessed now. You got to hear us all sing in a beautiful a cappella choir. Happy birthday. All right. Philippians chapter number one. And uh, to be honest with you, if you are kind of wondering, Pastor, where are you going next? I'm not starting a series right away. Um, I do have something I'm gearing up for at the end of August as far as um, presenting different ministries for you to uh, be able to join. Uh, we are starting many new ministries, and, uh, and I don't even want to tell you how many because there's a lot. But, but uh, I, I, we're still working out some kinks. We're still working on leadership, different things like that. But at the end of August... Uh, there will be some things in place and some excitement there that I look, really look forward to telling you about. And so probably before that, I'll begin preaching a little bit of a series um, uh, out of the, uh, about our theme in the book of Nehemiah. But uh, for now, I'm just going to be preaching uh, uh, what God lays on my heart. I'm kind of excited about it. Usually, I kind of know where I'm going the next week. You know, Philippians chapter 3, then I know I'm going to Philippians chapter 3, the next verse is next week or whatever. And uh, I've just been trying to glean uh, from the scriptures and see what God wants me to preach. But this was a message that 
that came about before I started studying the book of Philippians. I saw this in the passage, but it didn't go along with the verse-by-verse study that I did. And so I put the message aside, but I want to bring it back to you. And I want to just remind you, before we get into chapter 1 here, the series that we just finished will help us with this. Because we already know that there are several themes in the book of Philippians. Now, you don't have to do what I do. But in my Bible, right at the top of the page there, I put the themes so that next time I read it, because I'm forgetful, I put them there. I put the first theme there is the mind, which I believe is the main theme of the book of Philippians. Then I put number two, joy. You can look through joy, and you can see all that throughout the book of Philippians. Then I've got Christ, because if you look in chapter one, you'll find, I think, 19 times Christ is mentioned. And then the word gospel, number four, is what I put in my Bible. And uh, because those, to me, are the main themes of this book. And it just kind of helps me if I go back to this book in a a year or two, which I will read it by then, of course, but, but uh, if I go back to it in a couple years and I can't remember all that I studied because of, of the different things, I'll remember, hey, look for these as I read the scriptures. So just a little tip to you there, all right? But those four themes, we talked about the mind, joy, Christ, and the gospel. And one of the themes here, and those themes I think were always themes in Paul's life, but he tells us in chapter one here what we're supposed to do with one of them. What we're supposed to do with one of them. And what I want to look at today, and the title of the message is what to do with the gospel. What to do with the gospel. Look at chapter 1 and uh, read with me here just a couple verses. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet, or right, or just, for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. Skip down to verse 12, please. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And then look, if you would, verse 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then lastly, verse number 27. Only let your conversation, which again is behavior, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I love alliteration. Uh, You may notice that sometimes in my messages I'll make every point of a message start with the same letter to me it aids it helps my learning and when you look at the scripture here Paul almost had the perfect sermon all right he had of course I know he was writing in Greek and we're translating it into English but anyway uh, he, he talks about there the fellowship of the gospel the furtherance of the gospel the faith of the gospel 
And then he ruined it with the defense of the gospel. So maybe if we just capitalize the F in defense, it would be like perfectly all starting with the letter F. But anyway, but I want to talk to you about those four things that he said regarding the gospel message in this book. Now, what is the gospel? We, let me just go back and just teach you a little bit here of what the gospel is. In fact, I, you don't have to turn there, but the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. And if you want to jot a reference down, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, really tell us what the gospel is. It says in verse 1 that Paul is declaring the gospel unto them, and here it is. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, <clears throat> according to the scriptures. Those three things are the gospel message. So when you hear the word gospel, it means good news, is what the word gospel means, but it's referring to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Most of you know that, I get that. Some of you, that may be new to you, and that's great that you're learning that, but that's what it is. It's the information that all the world needs to hear. That's what the gospel is. It's the information that all the world needs to hear. We live in the day of information, but can I tell you, there's a lot of information going on in our world that we don't even need to know about. A lot of things that we don't need to uh, uh, follow up on or that are just a waste of time even, not even sinful, just a waste of time. But can I tell you, there is one piece of news that the entire world needs to get. And that is that Jesus saves. That's the news. That Jesus died for them, for their sin, uh, was buried, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's what everyone needs to know and believe. Now here's the thing about that. Jesus did all the work. For the gospel... Jesus did all the work. He was the one that left the throne of glory to come to earth. He was the one that walked 33 perfect years on this earth without ever sinning. He was the one that when we were shackled by a heavy burden, he came, took that burden off our back, the burden and weight of our own sin and shame and guilt, and put it on him. But he didn't just do that for me and you. He did it for the entire world, everyone that ever lived, everyone ever will live. And he put everyone's weight on his own back, everyone's sin on his own back, marched up the road to Calvary, purposely died for our sins and was crucified for it, shed his blood as the perfect lamb of God without spot or blemish, and he did that, and he let himself be buried, and he rose again the third day by his own power. That was the work of the gospel. That's the hard work. Hey, I'm glad I don't even have to pay for my own sin, let alone yours, let alone somebody, let alone the, the weight of the whole world, but he did that. And I think about how, you know, if you ever read Pilgrim's Progress and the weight of sin on your back, how Jesus just took all of it, but he didn't just take it away. He put it on himself, and he carried that. And then what does he do with that gospel message? You know what he does? He took that gospel message that was so pivotal, that is so important, that, that, that he did all the work for, and he suffered and bled and died for, and he puts it in your hands. And he puts it in my hands. And he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. I, I skipped a couple parts there. Uh, go, go ye into the world and teach. I can't even quote it right now. But, but he, that's what he said to do, is he called us to go. He told us to go. He put the gospel in our hands and said, go ye into all the world. That's what he said to do. So he has told us to do some things with the gospel. What does he tell us to do? I want to pray. And I want to see what we're supposed to do with the gospel. Our Father, we thank you for today. Bless, I pray, this message. 
Lord, I don't ever want to try to manipulate people or guilt people. That doesn't work. But Holy Spirit, if you convict us and if you speak to us, God, then I pray that we'd respond to that. So please have your way in our hearts and lives today. And in this room, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Ever know someone who just could not keep a secret? Like, you know, if you've got a secret, do not tell so-and-so. So I have, uh, we just came through Father's Day, one of the greatest holidays ever invented. And uh, we just came through that, and uh, we, we, it was before Father's Day, and they, uh, my, my kids had gone out and they, and they had bought me, they each buy a present. Oftentimes it's, you know, some form of candy, or I, I love root beer. I, I love root beer without the root in it. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I love root beer, and, uh, and there's, there's a certain kinds, okay? So Vaughn's has the best. Vaughn's has uh, Henry Weinhardt's root beer. It's incredible. It's amazing. But I, I'm just a big old fan of A&W root beer. Now, some of you may be weirdos, and you like mug, mug root beer, or barks. But can I just remind you that mug and barks, they don't have their own stores. That's how good they are. They don't even have a store A&W does. No one ever says, I'm going to go to Muggs. No, there's no place. You just, it's like, you know, when you go to Walmart and you see like Dr. Pepper and then next to it's like Dr. Thunder. You know what I mean? Or it's like, you know, Mr. Lightning or something. It's like some ripoff or whatever. And you're like, why would you drink that? You know, if you could. So I feel like Mug and, and Barks are just lower. You got to go with A&W, Allen and Wright, 19, I think it's uh, uh, 1915 started. In, anyway, but uh, and uh, so I, I do love, I love me some root beer. No, nope, can I just pause for it? There's no greater thing in the world than an ice-cold A&W with some ice cream. You know what I'm saying? A root beer float. I need two hallelujahs about a root beer float right now, okay? All right, anyway, all right. Well, we'll get back to the message now. Where'd that come from? I don't know. I want a root beer float. That's where it came from. But anyway, so we were sitting at the dinner table, and uh, Father's Day was a couple days away, and one of my kids was telling me a story. He said, Dad, you know, something, something happened, and then the other day when we went to the store to buy you some root beer... Uh, and, and they kept talking, and I just stopped and looked at them. And they caught it. And the other kids caught it, and they're like, oh, you know. And I was like, what were you getting, Dad, at the store? You know, and just kind of like, oh, you know. They couldn't keep the secret, right? I remember when, uh, when our kids were little, we had to train them. And we have to train them. We're still trying to train Kelly. that uh, Because when it's birthday time or something coming up, oftentimes we'll say things like, well, I'll go to the youngest kid and be like, what did mommy get daddy for his birthday? Or what did mommy get daddy for Christmas? So we trained our, and then they, Faith would do it or whatever. And, and so we trained our kids to say, it's a secret. They have to say it like that too. It's a secret. So you hear our two-year-old, it's a secret. And all that, you know, we're just trying to train them. One time, and this started because when, I, uh, when one of my kids was young, I won't tell you which one, but he does have a birthday today. But when he was younger, um, I, I walked up to him and uh, when he was just a kid and I said, what did mommy get daddy for his birthday? And he said, a green shirt and a, and a blue shirt. And I was like, oh, and Faith's like, what? You know, it's just great. So, uh, you know, we had to train them that way. But, you know, there are some people in your life that you know, they, they cannot keep a secret. But here's what I want to say about that. The gospel is not a secret to be kept from anyone. There is no one in this world that you're supposed to be like, don't share the gospel with them. They can't know about it. No, it's for, you can't share the gospel with the wrong person. 
It's impossible. And so God has given us this message, and he wants us to do something with it. What does Paul say we're supposed to do? Look at verse 5, and let's look at a couple of these things quickly here today. It says in verse number uh, 5, he's giving thanks to God for them. And then he says in verse 5, why is he always praying for them and thanking God for them? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship, what's he talking about? He is really talking about partnership is what the word means. Partnership. So what is the first thought there that we need to do with the gospel ministry? First of all, I want to say this. Join the team. Join the team. Some of you signed up this last uh, uh, May for, to join the softball team. You'll notice that I didn't, and you're welcome that I did not join the softball team. That's probably why you may have won some games, okay? But join the team. Paul is saying, hey, I thank God that I've got some partners in the ministry, that I'm not in it alone. And I don't think Paul felt alone, even though he was in a Roman prison alone, but he didn't feel alone because he knew that he had a church in Philippi that partnered with him in the gospel ministry. And everyone needs to know that. Now, they partnered financially. They partnered with him by, they identified with him. They claimed him as their own and didn't say, we don't know Paul. What are you talking about? No, they identified with Paul. They fellowshiped with Paul. They partnered with him by doing their part where they were. So uh, Paul was saying, hey, you've partnered with me, not just in word and in money, but you were doing something in Philippi too, because he wasn't the one willing all those people to Christ. After he started the church, they were doing it. And, and so he, he had some partners. I remember years ago uh, when I was uh, on, on, on staff as youth pastor, I was in charge of outreach. And, and uh, so uh, the, the pastor had asked me to start a, a Thursday night uh, soul winning time. And so I started a, a Thursday night soul winning time. And I remember we went out, and uh, in fact, that was at the time where me and Tony Quintana knocked on Evelyn Kelly's door. Do you remember that, Miss Evelyn? All right. And we knocked on her door right over here, and uh, me and Tony did that. And I, I remember that. It was, it was years ago, and we had people that showed up, went out soul winning. And really, there was, we started at the beginning of summer, and there was, and we were taking a bus out at first, and it was exciting, and we were seeing results, and there were great things happening. I remember through, throughout the next couple of months, people began to just trickle out and not show up until it eventually got down to every single week, there was one person there, me. <laughs> and I had to be there. I was running it. But every week, I'd come to church, I'd set out everything, and we'd announce it. And I'm not, I'm, by the way, if you are in church during that time, I am not here to throw stones at you about that. I'm going to throw stones at you later about something, okay? But anyway, uh, but, but about that, and, and I'd just sit on the steps over here sometimes, and I'd wait and look at my clock and wait and wait and wait and show up every, every 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever it was, every Thursday. And you know what? I can tell you, there's times like that, and you face times as well, where you can just feel like alone. Am I the only one doing this? I mean, there was, no, there was no staff, there was no pastor, there was no deacon. And, and again, I'm not throwing, I, I understand there's busyness, but I'm saying for week upon week upon week upon week, I was there just like, whew, all right, I'm winning Long Beach to Christ. I guess. And, and, and I know there are people out on Saturday too, so again, that's why I'm not uh, uh, trying to make people feel bad about that, but I'm trying to get across that sometimes you can feel like you're doing alone. Uh, you can maybe teach in a class and feel like you're doing alone. You can uh, be a nursery worker and feel like you got to pick up the slack. I remember going uh, in college one time. I, I, uh, uh, there were, it was required that you go for three hours every week, that you go soul winning for three hours every week as, as a minimum, right? 
And so I remember on a Saturday when I normally went, and they had you fill out a form saying if you did it or not, too. And on a Saturday, I got real sick. I think I had a migraine. I was still up all day. I could not go on Saturday. And so I knew that Monday morning was coming. They were going to ask me, and I didn't want to get demerits because they were going to give you demerits. It's the Bible college. That's why it's run like that. It's okay. And I, I knew what I was signing up for. And so I went out on Sunday. I went to bus route. I went to teach my uh, teen boys class. I was a freshman in college and uh, working my teen boys class. And then I went to church. And then I went out into San Jose by myself for three hours. I tried to get people to go with me, but you know what? There were a lot of people who just wanted to sleep in on Sunday or, or take a nap, and I totally get that. But I tell you, knocking doors for three hours as a 19-year-old kid in San Jose, California, getting no after no after no and all this stuff. And I was 19. I looked like I was 13, all right? I'm 38 right now. I probably look you know, like I'm 28. But anyway, so I looked young back then. And there are times where, you know, you, you can feel like you're doing it alone. Maybe for some of you, it was raising a kid. You felt like you did it alone. It was, you know, trying to get your family church. You did it alone. There are times that we feel alone in, the, in, in doing something that's right. But what I want to say is this. No one in this church should ever feel like you're doing the work of the ministry alone. There should be partners there should be teamwork. There should be people with you serving. Look, it's not the job of the staff to do the work of the ministry. It's the job of every single one of us to do the work of the ministry. And I wonder today, are we showing up to work? Are we showing up to work? Because, look, you don't show up to work at your job, you get fired. You don't show up to work at church, we kick you out. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't kick anybody out for that. But what I'm saying is, look, and again, some of you may not be able to. You may not be able to serve in some capacities. But you ought, there is a job at church for you to do. God, God has that purpose. He didn't gift you just so you could sit on it and do nothing with those gifts. No, he's gifted you for a reason. And again, that's, that's the whole genesis of the idea of bringing more ministries to light is to give you more opportunities to partner up. That's what we're trying to do because you've got to join the team and get involved in the ministry here and join the work of the ministry in some way, getting the life-changing gospel to people. And everything that you do in church does matter. It does matter. Whether you're cleaning up something, whatever, it, it matters. You don't have to just do witnessing on Saturdays. You can do it all week long. You don't just have to serve on Sundays. You can serve all week long. But I would encourage you not to just be a spectator, but to participate. How can you partner with us? I wonder if, I wonder if God is working on anybody in our church about joining a team here at GBC. And again, if God's working on you about that, hang tight. We're going to give you opportunities. But I wonder if God is working on you to join a team and say, I'm going to serve in this way. So the fellowship of the gospel, we got to join the team. But look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul was okay with the bad things happening to him because it was, in a way, the gospel was getting out. He was okay with people outside the prison preaching against him but still preaching the gospel. And he was okay with people outside the prison that were with him in preaching the gospel. He was okay with all of it. Why? Because the gospel was getting out further. And so I said join the team. But when it comes to the furtherance of the gospel, I want to encourage you to take it further. Take it further. That's what we're supposed to do with the gospel. We need to join the, the team of the, of the ministry of the gospel, but we also need to take it further. What's it talking about there when it says the furtherance of the gospel? 
It means progress, the advancement of the gospel. It's getting out further. It's progressing. The goal is to get the gospel further, further than it is right now. Say why? It's not gotten everywhere yet. The gospel has not gotten to all the world yet. It has not gotten to every person yet. I have every day in my prayer list there are uh, 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 that Pastor Smith gave out years ago. All these countries without a translation of the Bible. Millions, some, uh, some of them hundreds of millions of people without a translation of the Bible in their language. And, and you just think we're not really doing as great sometimes as we think we are. Now, I know that there's no way that you and I, just the two of us, could reach every single person in the world. I understand that, that we're limited in what we can do, but we can do something. We can get it further than it is. It needs to go further, and we need to take it there. You say, well, Pastor, how much further does the gospel need to get? Has it gotten across your street? Has it gotten across your apartment complex? Has it gotten across the lot that you live on? Has it gotten to your family? Has it gotten to your friends? It needs to go further, doesn't it? It needs to go further. And if you're thinking about your sphere of influence, hey, that's on you and me, that we've got to get it further than what it is now. You know what I've found with our church? Our church is, is doing a great job of having a heart for missions. I really think that. We've always been a church that has heart for missions, and we have a church that wants to give so that people can go. But oftentimes, we don't want to go ourselves. Let's be honest. Here's where I'm throwing stones at you, okay? But, uh, and look, I'm glad we can give. But giving money in the offering plate for a missionary should not feel like we assuage our own guilt of not giving the gospel to people. I got three amens and silence from the rest. All right, that's okay. You don't have to like it. It's the truth here. So, but what I'm saying is this. It, we, we can't let our consciences be eased about not sharing the gospel just because we give. We ought to give, but we also, we got to go. We got to give. We got to pray. We got to go. Every missions conference, we hear that. Give pray and go. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Peru. You don't have to go to Patagonia if, or Iceland if that's not where God wants you. But you do got to go across the street. You do got to go to North Long Beach. You got to go to Compton and to Paramount and to Lakewood and to Artesia and to Norwalk and to Downey and to, and to Signal Hill. We got to go. We got to get the gospel further than what it has been. The gospel should never die with you. When you hear the gospel, oh, I got saved, I've received the gospel, it's not just for you. Stop being a secret keeper and take that gospel and give it to somebody else. That's what we got to do with it. Keep it going, take it further. By the way, that's not just Paul's command, that's Jesus says. That you shall receive power out of the Holy Ghost come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, you know, just over and over again, God said to do this. I read a story about a, a missionary to Africa who, uh, who, who told the story that, that uh, there was a lady in his church, an elderly woman in his church who got saved. The lady was blind, obviously could not read anymore, but could not read anyway, couldn't read or write. And uh, she wanted to share her faith, though. This elderly lady, she's, just, she's blind, she wanted to share her faith, so she asked for a copy of the Bible in French. They got her a copy of the Bible in French. She asked the pastor, can you underline John 3.16 in red? And so he said, sure. So he underlined it in red. And he got curious one day as the lady left. I wonder what she does with that. So one day he followed her. 
And he said, I'm just going to follow her and see what she's doing, why she wanted that Bible. She can't read. She can't write. She, you know, she's blind. What is she going to do with that? And so she, he watched her as she went down to the school, the local school there. And she went and stood by the front door before the, before the school was let out. And she watched as school was let out, that old blind lady would stand there with a Bible in her hand, and she would say, excuse me, and whatever boy came out, whatever girl came out, uh, I think it was this particular school was a boy's school, and uh, she said, excuse me, young man, can you help me, please? Do you read in French? And the, man, the young man would say, yes, I do. And she said, could you read for me this underlined verse here in the scripture? What does it say? And so the young man would read the verse, and then she'd say, do you, do you know what that means? No, I, I, I don't. Can I tell you what it means? 24 of the boys she led to the Lord became pastors. 24 became pastors of the people she led to Christ. That's just somebody that had less, she had, she had less capabilities than you and me, but she just said, it didn't do it in a conventional way even. She just got the gospel out. And I just want to encourage you today, take it further than just you. Take it further. That's, don't let it stop with you. The furtherance of the gospel, that's why we're here, okay? Let me give you the next thought here. Look at verse 7. He talks about in verse 7, what does Paul say to do with the gospel here? Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 17, verse 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So what are we supposed to do with the gospel? Look, join the, join the team of the gospel ministry, but secondly, take it further. And then thirdly, the defense of the gospel, defend it. Paul said, hey, you guys have joined with me in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Defense and confirmation is like a trial. You're defending and you're confirming, you're presenting evidence. And he said, so hey, we're being put on trial. And look, usually, it, the, the world doesn't usually put the Christian on trial. They're really putting the, the Christ on trial. They're really putting the faith on trial because they want to prove that your faith is wrong. They want to prove that you're wrong and that what you believe is based upon lies. That's what they really want to do. And Paul was literally put on trial for the, for the uh, faith of the gospel. And he was saying, look, you're with me in the defense of the gospel. There are many reasons why people don't want to believe the gospel. You know one of the main reasons why people don't want to believe the gospel? Because if the gospel is true, then God's going to judge them. And they don't want to believe that. So it's better not to know. But the truth is, the gospel is true. I've told the story before when I was uh, soul winning during college, my freshman year one time. I remember going up and I was, you know, my partner was across the street and I was on this side of the street. And I remember walking up and knocking on a door. The guy answered the door. It was an older fella, probably in his 50s. I don't mean to say you're old if you're in your 50s, but uh, you know, he was in his 50s, older than me. And, uh, and I told him who I was and what church. Yeah, I know that church. And I said, yeah, I'd like to invite you to church. And I tried to hand him a track and he goes, I'm, how, how can you even believe that? about your Bible and stuff. And I'm 19. I'd been soul winning for like two years. Like I just got into church a year and a half before this, for seriously. And I was like, and I started to talk, and he said, and he was so mad, he was so angry. He said, how do you, how do you justify your God and your Bible killing babies in the Old Testament? And I said, what, what, I said, what? <laughs> you know, what was that? Excuse me? 
And uh, he said, how do you justify that? If you go look, and, and he, he, he listed some scripture. He listed Joshua or Deuteronomy or something like that. And he said, how do you justify God just murdering people? And part of those people were innocent babies. How do you justify that? Because I'm sure you guys are against abortion and all that. How do you justify that? How do you? And I stood there as a 19-year-old, and I gave some answer. You know, God's sovereign, and God can do what he wants. And I mean, that's a decent answer, but it doesn't really answer his question. And I remember walking away from that door like, and I, by the way, in all my years, I've never had someone else do that. That was a random thing. But what did it do to me? It could have made me just quit. But what it did to me is it made me want to know why. It made me want to know the answer to his question. Not, it didn't make me want to quit. It made me want to say, I want to know how to defend the word of God and how to understand what this means, what this means. And so when I have read through 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and it says there that we ought to be prepared, be ready to give an answer to every man that asks the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, I, wanted, I took that verse and I want to be ready to answer people. And so when people come to me and charge God foolishly, I want to be able to stand up and say, hold on, let me, let me help you with this. This is what this is. This is what happened here. This is what... And so I went back and I studied because I wanted to find out what does the Bible say? So that the next time I run across someone, I can say, look, I understand what you're saying. Let me help you think on this the correct way, though. Now, in, in your Bible, when you saw that word defense, the Greek word is apologia, and where we get the term apologetics from. I mentioned that when we went through this book. Apologetics is the science of giving a defense for the Christian faith. It doesn't mean you make apologies. It means you defend your faith. And so I want to encourage you today to know and learn how to defend the faith. Many people don't share the gospel because they're afraid of being asked a question. Well, I'll share it, but I'll go soul winning. I'll do this, but what if they ask me a question? And I understand that. Like, I, I, I truly do get that. But I would just say two things about that. First of all, you tell them, I don't have an answer to that right now, but I'll get one. And then secondly, get one. Find out. That's the way you do it. If you're afraid of not knowing the answer to something, why don't you find out about it? Why don't you study it? It seems like people are just giving up and giving up on growth and giving up on understanding the Bible. Well, I'll just never get it, so I can't do it. No, no, don't give up on that. Dig deeper. Learn, grow, learn how to defend the faith. Someone comes up to you and, 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 and you've got maybe a, a Mormon family member. And they come to you talking about how you're going to be the God of your own universe and how you're going to do this. Or maybe you've got a Jehovah's Witness family member. You've got, you've got a Catholic family member. You've got all these different family members that believe differently about salvation than you and I, that believe differently about the Bible. I'm not saying we're better than them. I'm saying that I believe the truth of the Bible. How are you going to defend your faith? Now, don't be rude and mean about it, but learn the truth of the gospel. Defend it. And I know that doesn't happen overnight, but it happens by getting in Sunday school class. Happens by coming to church faithfully. Happens by reading your Bible, by studying. Defend it. That's what you do with the gospel. Lastly, here, and we're done. If you look, if you would, at verse 27, verse 27. What else do we do with the gospel? Only let your conversation, your behavior, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And we ought to behave in a way that, that shines good light on the gospel. That whether I come to, and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What else do we need to do in the gospel ministry? Not only do you need to join, but we need to work together. Work together. Join it, take it further, defend it, 
and work together in it, in the gospel ministry. The word striving together means to struggle together, to struggle together. To, to, it means to work with someone implying against an opposition or competitive struggle. You're working with someone against opposition. Do you feel like we have some opposition in our country? I do. I sure do. And what we need is to join teams, to team up. We need to work together. The word there is, that, that we see for striving together is based off the word for synergy. Synergy. Combined forces uh, com combined forces multiply output and power. We ought to combine our forces. Look, the, what does the devil do? The devil divides people. The de devil causes schisms and tries to get factions in the church where this group of people is mad at these group of people and this group of people is talking about this group of people and these type of people are really cliquish and so no one can join them. The devil loves to do that kind of stuff. He loves to divide. Don't let him. He loves to do that. He loves to get Christians to bicker and argue, or argue over trivial things. Why? So they're not focused on the big thing. Here's what you need to know. The gospel is the big deal. The gospel is the big deal. Your, your argument about, hey, something that was done in Sunday school this way, or something that happened you know, on your way out, or whoever took the last donut, or something that happened in a school, or something that happened on the playground, or, look, those are not the big deal. You know what the big deal is? The gospel is the big deal. You're not going to get to heaven and, and God's going to be like, you should have made more of a deal about that thing that happened in your Sunday school classroom. No, he's going to say you should have made a big de bigger deal about the gospel. That's what you're going to hear. You know, the, the gospel was, was the important thing. Not the, look, baseball is fun. Baseball is not the big deal. The gospel is the big deal. Okay, Basketball is fun. It's not the big deal. The gospel is the big deal. Hey, you know, uh, activities at church and otherwise are fun, but that's not the big deal. The gospel is the big deal. Some errand that you have to run during soul winning time or church, that's not the big deal. The, the, the church, the gospel is the big deal. Imagine what would happen in our city, and imagine what would happen at our church if we had 100 people. There's more than that at church today. probably have about 250 at church. Imagine if we had 100 people in our church that went out every week door knocking and went out bus route calling or went out setting up a Bible club or went out witnessing in some way or shape or form. 100 people. Imagine if we had that. 100 people going out every week. Don't you think that'd be better than 10, 20, 1? Of course it would. And just think, the more people you have, the multiplied effect it would have. Well, we've got to join forces on this thing to get the gospel out. Can I just say, don't, don't complain about the state of California if you're not going to witness. Don't complain about our president, or I should say our government and all. Don't complain if you're not going to witness. Say why? Because the only thing that can change people is the gospel. So if we're going to complain about it, let's just do something about it. The gospel is the big deal. And if we really want to see a change, the only way to do, truly do that is to get... Morality doesn't come from evolution. Morality doesn't come from sitting in a classroom. You, you get it from Christ. You get it from God. That's where you get holiness and standards and principles and convictions. It comes from the, the, the God, the holy God that we serve. That's how we get it. I want to just tell you a closing story here. There was a, a man named Charles Peace was his name. He was a notorious criminal in England, and he was executed on February 25th, 1879. 
long time ago, executed February 25th, 1879. Before his death, as he's getting ready to be executed, this Anglican minister stood up, kind of half-heartedly read from this thing called the Consolations of Religion. And so this minister stood up and began to read. Here's what he's reading. Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. Kind of half-heartedly talked about hell. Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. And Charles Peace, who's about to be executed as a criminal, was listening to this minister read in this half-hearted, couldn't-care-less type of, type of tone. And here's what he said. Someone quoted him. He stopped him, and he said, stop, stop. He said, sir, if I believed what you and the Church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it, if need be, on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. That's what he said. He said, if you, you say you believe this, but you don't look like you believe it. Because if it were true, I would be willing to do anything. And I want to just ask today, do we really believe? Do we really believe that people need the Lord? Do we really believe that if people die without Christ, they will be in a Christless hell forever? Do we really believe that there is power in the gospel to save people? Then if we do believe it, let's do something about it. Join the team. Take the gospel further this week than it has been this week. Defend it. Learn how to defend it. And then let's work together to make the gospel the big deal at Gethsemane Baptist Church. The gospel message. Again, I'm not trying to guilt you into it. This is, this is the word of God. These are the commands of Christ. Let's get the gospel out. Our Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the challenge that I needed from this passage to get the gospel further this week than it has been. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Please no one looking around. And maybe today you're here and, and if you were to die, you would not know you're going to heaven. Maybe you're not even sure what the gospel is all about. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what the gospel is about. I'd like to know how I could be saved and how I could know Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Nobody looking around? Thank you. Anybody else say, pray for me. I, I, I'd like to know. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm looking around. I'd like to know for sure. I, I, then I'll, I will pray for you. But if you're here today and God may be speaking to you about taking the gospel further, maybe about joining the team, maybe about learning how to defend your faith and, and not just, you know, being shy about that or whatever it may be, or working together instead of working to separate, working together for the faith of the gospel. If God spoke to you, do something with that. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Why don't you come pray if God spoke to you? If you want to know how you can accept Christ as Savior, why don't you come? And let us take the Bible, speak with you, and show you how you can know Jesus as your Savior. What are you going to do with the gospel this week? Will you take it further? Take it further than it has been? Will you tell the Lord that you're going to join the team? Maybe today the decision you need to pray about is, God, I want to start on a journey learning how to defend my faith. The 
Bible is not afraid of your questions. It will answer them. Father, we thank you so much that somebody was led of the Spirit of God to share the gospel with us. God, I just pray that we would just, we'd do something. We'd do something with it. We'd take the gospel further this week. That we would join a team, get involved here. <clears throat> God, I pray that we would learn and, and, and maybe be convicted that, hey, we need to learn how to defend our faith and learn more about that. Uh, maybe it's about working together to make the gospel the big deal and letting some things go that are just smaller. Whatever it may be, God, I know you've, you've really worked on me in this message, and I needed it. So help us, I pray, to learn, grow, and do something with it, we pray. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We do have one order of...